Hello, this is Ann McDonald, and I'm the Business Development Director of the Corporate Technology Practice at Morris Manning & Martin. We have a Southeast Tech podcast series, and today I'm pleased to be, to be speaking with Lee Demby, co-founder Boardroom Insiders, a company that was acquired last year. Lee, thank you for being with us today. Uh, can you tell us what motivated you to start Boardroom Insiders? Yeah, thanks for having me. So I think that what I would say is that I was always in the executive intelligence space in terms of uh, an enterprise sales role. And I always used it myself and prided myself on being prepared uh, for meeting with VP to C-level executives. And somewhere around about 2010, um, I caught wind through a friend uh, of a lady named Sharon Gillenwater uh, out in San Francisco who had started a business doing just that. And um, Sharon was just getting boardroom insiders off the ground. And you know, we, we dated for a little bit, we courted for a little bit, and um, we got together and, and formed a partnership and um, it went from there. What was the big problem or opportunity that you were addressing for your target customers? Yeah, good question. So Boardroom Insiders is a company, it's, it's the executive intelligence business. Uh, we were doing, quite frankly, what enterprise sales reps were, are asked to do every day, which is prepare very deeply uh, for VP to C-level engagements with Fortune 1000 companies. You know, ideally, our target market was uh, technology companies. So if you think about that, uh, enterprise sales director or, or global account manager uh, going to meet with a CIO or uh, a pro or line of business uh, owner, and they're going to sell them something. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big, and it's always going to have C-level attention. And that was the business we were in. We're helping them engage them in the front end, helping them have productive meetings. Uh, and essentially, we were researching all the careabouts of those executives and distilling it into a dossier. That evolved into uh, what we called BI Pro, which was really targeted at enterprise level marketing. So how do you create uh, C-level uh, events at very high levels of engagement? And that would be very interesting to them. So that in a nutshell is the, the niche that we filled in the sales and marketing intelligence world. And the company was acquired last year uh, by your money institutional investors and falls within the Altrada brand. I'm happy to say it's still doing really well. Now, how does that fit into their brand? What particular niche does that fill for them? Well, they have about four or five other brands um, in the executive intelligence space. Maybe it's around wealth, maybe it's around lists or, or databases of board members, information that would be useful to different um different folks in the food chain, if you will, or, or um, that would use that information that way. So ours is more for not to tell you who to call on, but what are you going to say when they're sitting in front of you? You know, how, what, did, what do they want to talk about? So it's for in really intelligent conversations. Exactly. With the people you're trying to influence or, or sell to. That's exactly right. Who would not need that? Um, what was your go-to-market strategy? You know, what was your sales cycle? What was your revenue model? Well, it was an annual subscription model. Um, and so basically, again, the 
mostly tech companies were our customers. And so they license access uh, to our database of executive intelligence and then also our software that we use to aggregate information about groups of executives uh, for marketing purposes. Um, and then it's pretty straightforward, really, just like that. So would they would they submit a request to you for a certain company or group of a particular profile yeah. uh, of executives? Could. Yeah, they could. It was part of our platform that they could do that. However, we had a database. At the end, it was somewhere around about 35,000 executive profiles for them to draw from for instant use uh, for preparing to go meet with that C-level decision maker. Uh, but it was also part of the uh, capabilities that if we didn't have it, they could tell us who they needed. Okay. Okay. It's sort of like a pitch book. Um, what was the the profile of the typical company or is the profile of the typical company size and who would you sell to? Which executive would you talk to? Well, in terms of our, in terms of our customers or in the, the folks that we were profiling? Uh both. So our customers would be, I mean, it could be anyone from one of the largest technology companies that you know of uh, to uh, say a, a $10 million company. You know, the beauty of uh, software is there's a lot of uh, software companies out there that aren't very big that fill specific niches and specific, uh, uh, fill uh, specific gaps for very large Fortune 500 companies. Um, so that means that our total addressable market was actually quite large across that space. You know, the folks that we sold to were typically the um, CMOs or directors of marketing, regional directors of marketing, uh, folks who are in charge of account-based marketing uh, for those technology companies. And largely, they were a great entry point for us. Um, of course, also would be the sales folks themselves. But in the technology space, we always found that uh, enterprise level sales folks really relied on their partners, field marketers and directors of marketing uh, to arm them with the information they needed for events like that. And then the folks that we profiled uh, were always VP to C-level executives, Fortune 1000 size companies and higher. What lessons did you learn? Have you learned in uh, in running your business, starting your business, and then and then you know the 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 golden grail, selling your business successfully? Right. right. Well, this the list is long. I'll try to keep it to a few here. I think that um, one of the things I think that I learned, um, and Sharon would probably agree, is that you have to be very real about what you have. Right. So it means for for budding entrepreneurs, um, if you think you have something special, it's, it's really um, I think a lot of folks get caught up in thinking about themselves as a unicorn or that they've got a five hundred million dollar business on their hands or a billion dollar business on their hands. I think from the very beginning, we did not think this was going to be huge, uh, huge from the standpoint of like a billion dollars. But we thought very we knew that we had something that. Uh, was going to be very meaningful. And I think the truth is you never know at the very beginning exactly how big the company can be if somebody's really truthful uh, with themselves. Um, but I think, I do think that's one, you know, so knowing what you've got uh, and being real about that and then making sure you're structuring your cap tables and, and your 
your um, your your board with and your advisory board with the right people with that context. Um, that kind of leads me to my second uh, kind of my second thing is context. I think the second thing I think I've learned really more with Boardroom Insiders than previous businesses is it's the context you have um, when you're talking to uh, advisors and other successful entrepreneurs is super important. And I admit probably the first couple of years at Boardroom Insiders, I was probably comparing our business too much with other successful businesses or like businesses and even businesses in the exact same uh, industry of sales and marketing intelligence, it's a dangerous game to play. Um, so context is huge. And there's no shortage of successful um, successful uh, entrepreneurs who've exited who are want to tell you all about how to do it. And as you're a budding entrepreneur, um, or even if it's your second go round, you can't help but want to listen to them and have coffees and and drinks or whatever and just sponge as much as you can. But it doesn't mean that what they're saying applies to your business. So if you can couch what it is that they're saying and apply it to your business, I think the faster you can do that when you're in the early days, the better. Um, and try your best not to compare board, you know, your, your business to what it is that they did and the success they had. Um, another thing I would say, I wrote down a couple of things, so I'm going to check it out. But the other thing I would say is really important is I, I continue now that I've had a little bit of gap in time here since when we sold the business and I'm, I'm meeting with a few entrepreneurs here and there, kind of an advisory role. The one thing I know for certain is that it can't be a part-time job. It just can't. You know, if you're an entrepreneur um, or a founder of a small company, you can't have one foot in a day job and do this on the side. It's, it's just not going to get to the inflection points you need it to get to fast enough if you're, if you're not fully focused on it and relentless. Um, that's how we were at the very beginning. We were fully focused, fully committed. This was our total day job from the very beginning. Sharon, when I say they, I mean us, I mean me and Sharon. Uh, and it was painful, you know. So, I mean, stating the obvious, I'm not 25 or 30. Um, but we were, you know, we were definitely um, later in life with kids and married and it's doing that then uh, took a lot of risk on our part, uh, but it paid off. And that's, I learned that lesson probably from another previous business or two, but you just can't, it can't be a part-time thing. It has to be full on. Um, I've got more if you want to, <laughs> I've got a couple. Please go ahead. Yes. I'm sure our audience would be very interested. Well, I think another one that I learned and really more boardroom insiders and, um, than ever uh, is the customer's value simple and easy to use when you're talking about software. And I think everyone in the audience has probably used software that's just too robust. It's got too many distractions. There's one thing, maybe two things in a, in a myriad of you know, 30 or 40 functionalities that you really truly want and use. And we were really focused at Boardroom Insiders in the early days of perfecting um, what we had with those executive profiles. And because we knew we kept getting great feedback from our customers about that. 
And so we were trying to perfect the customer experience so that it was super easy to use as a company would be super easy to work with. Um, and for obvious reasons, you know, customers are everything, particularly in a, in a renewal based business. So uh, a recurring revenue model. So that was just, to us, there was nothing more paramount than being simple and easy to use. Um, and I still believe that today. I think there's, there's probably, you know, I was actually, I talked to a few entrepreneurs here lately, actually, who are coming up with ideas that aren't necessarily ideas that have never been done before. They're just cleaner, simpler, easier ways to do something that's embedded in another technology that already exists. It's just too robust and it's, it's not getting the attention it needs. But at the end of the day, somebody wants that and they want it to be really easy to use, fast and easy. So, How so did you connect a, with the company who bought you? We, um, let's see, we uh, really actually, um, well, long story short, you know, when we go back, if you will, to 2020, we're being approached uh, by a lot of M&A firms and private equity firms, and we felt like we weren't ready. Um, so we actually asked John, uh, John Yates there uh, with you guys, and well, are we ready? I mean, are companies being bought that look like us? Because we know you guys see a lot of deals. Sure. And um, we figure as an aggregator of somebody that sees a lot, you know, he could give us a decent litmus test or, or decent guidance. Uh, whether or not we should even go down the path. We're informed enough to know that a process takes a long time. It's very distracting to running your business. So we didn't even want to go down that path unless it was a viable option. Um, but to answer your question, how do we select or how do we decide? I think it was how do we select or how do we decide to sell? Maybe one in the same question, but um, we basically talked to about five different M&A firms at the same time. And we were looking to get a, a, a very consistent valuation and confidence level from at least a few of them. And if we didn't, we weren't even going to bother with it. But we were fortunate enough that we did for about three of the five that we talked to had a very similar uh, valuation range that they were putting in our business and very similar confidence ranges um, or confidence level uh, that we could sell our business in a, you know, in a, fairly reasonable short period of time. So um, were we ready uh, to do it then? We weren't actively looking, but the market uh, was pretty hot in 2021. Yeah. Um, so as you guys know, and so that was really looking at it from the standpoint of, are we doing the right thing by our shareholders by not looking at this or by looking at this now or ignoring this now and ultimately came down to, given the market conditions and the confidence level of the M&A firms, we should probably do that. That's interesting. What are the biggest challenges or, or opportunities that you're looking at for 2023? Yeah, I think the challenges for 2023, um, one of them for a lot of uh, companies right now is, building, I don't know if it's unique to 2023 or if it's just in general at this moment in time, um, particularly post COVID, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that move to complete 
remote work. Um, they have employees all over the place in different time zones. Culture was absolutely essential to Border Insiders. I mean, it's huge. And the people part, you know, it goes without saying, we had terrific people. I had a terrific partner in Sharon. Um, and that's where it starts. But I think building great culture, maintaining growing great culture in a complete remote work environment um, is it's going to be tough for a lot of people. Um, the expectations of how much someone's in the office or how much they even attend the fun stuff yeah. after work socials um, has changed a lot, you know? So that's a, I think that's going to be a challenge um, going forward. I really do uh, for a lot of companies, you know, another challenge, the obvious one is the general economic conditions or just, it's, um, it's the right word. They're, they're, they're inconsistent to say the least. You know, um, if you look at the number of deals that a lot of the M&A firms did uh, and even the ones that you're involved with in your law firm, if you look at the number of deals that a lot of these firms did in 2022, uh, pardon me, 2021 versus 2022, it's drastically different, maybe a third uh, for a lot of these firms of what they did in 2021. And I think it just speaks to the overall um, just market conditions for raising money uh, for, for acquiring companies. I mean, look, this is all again in the context of how awesome is the product or service that you have, you know, because that'll cut through everything. You know, it really will. But for most companies, I think that they could be faced with those challenges, those economic challenges. Well, and they certainly need your product in order to, to close those sales that they need. Yeah, they could definitely use it for sure. Well, thank you so much. Lee Denby, co-founder of Boardroom Insiders. We appreciate uh, your information and vision today. Thanks, Ann. Thanks for thank having you. me. I appreciate it.